cliffcentral.com. All right, it's time <laughs> for some Markets Mondays. And this is where we get to check in on what's going on in the world with regard to your and my and everybody's money. Now, whether you're a new trader who's looking for a safe place to start or an experienced trader who's looking for low spreads, multi-assets, and high-tech, you will find Markets.com suits you perfectly. And by the way, we had Brian Habana on just the other day who's been revealed as the Markets.com ambassador. Um, I also did a, a very nice interview with him, which was about 45 minutes to an hour We sat and talked about everything that's happened since he left professional rugby. He's a fascinating guy. He's a really good guy. He's lovely to talk to. If you haven't seen that interview, it's also brought to you by Markets.com. You can go and find it on the Cliff Central app or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your content. So today, we've got to get into it. Special offer to you if you listen to Markets Mondays with Markets.com. You can follow the link on our website and you can register with markets.com. You'll get a 30% bonus on your deposit. Catching. Nobody gives you anything for free anymore except markets.com. So get in there ASAP. Let's talk about this quite practically. The beginning of the year has seen some widespread rolling blackouts in South Africa, rising global interest rates. Also power issues, there are energy issues all over the world. Simon Brown joins us this week to discuss the key factors expected to be addressed in the budget speech and examine the impact on both traders and consumers. Simon is a partner with Markets.com, as well as a trader, an investor, and a market teacher with decades of market experience. So it's a great pleasure to welcome him back to the show. It's not his first time here. Simon Brown, how are you, sir? Gareth, I'm always great, thank you. Although I'm sitting here in load shedding, so I'm running off batteries. Well, you've got batteries, which shows that you have taken the trouble to think this through. That's one of the reasons we come to you, because we know that you're someone who's forecasting the future. Let's go straight into load shedding, since you brought it up. Um, we're undergoing all of this at the moment. It's been worse in the last 365 days than it's ever been before. For people who don't know and who are listening overseas, load shedding is when we in South Africa have intentional reductions in the electrical supply to prevent more severe blackouts and damage to the infrastructure. How would you say, Simon, that load shedding has affected energy traders and South African traders overall? I mean, if if we look at the the general trading space, I mean, what we've noticed, we're, what, almost six weeks into the year. So what we're seeing Mm -hmm. is a lot of companies publishing updates. They're telling us how their 2022 year was, either the second half or perhaps the full year. And to a company, they are mentioning the impact of, of, of load shedding. Checkers spent 560 uh, million, sorry, 560 million rand on diesel in the last six months of last year. Uh, companies like Sassel are struggling with ports, with rail, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the companies are, they're still operating, they're still there, but they're seeing uh, revenues hurt in some cases, and they're certainly seeing costs come up. So it's having a, a direct impact. So you might look at a set of numbers, uh, and some of them on the surface, ShopRite, looked fairly good, but it's that scratching through, and you start doing that, and, and it's just been, I mean, it's just been tough. And there's a, a, a report out today, uh, expectations. Uh, people should expect smaller dividends going forward, uh, not so much because profits are being hit, which they are, mm. but also because companies need to spend either on generators, on uh, yep. solar, on batteries, on whatever. This is a cost that we didn't have you know, a couple of years ago. 
And of course, the cost will be even worse if you worse if you don't have some sort of backup plan, um, because then you just have to go whichever way the wind blows. And if load shedding gets a whole lot worse, then you might not be in business at all. You you know, by not making these contingency plans, you could find yourself in even worse trouble. Simon, tell us quickly. In light of everything, light of everything that we've discussed with regard to energy, um, do you think it's going to affect the rest of the commodity market? And and also, it's worth mentioning at this point, and maybe you have more detail than I do. The the international scene for energy is not so great at the moment, is it? Especially in Europe. That's a great point. I mean, energy. You know, in South Africa, our energy issue is is ESCOM. I mean, through and through, and and there's not directly much a South African trader can do to really benefit uh, uh, from ESCOM. I mean, there certainly are some companies in the space, Roynet, for example, uh, they, they they do transmission cables. So as we build out more transmission cables, they will benefit. Mustex sells uh, uh, solar and backup energy supplies. But Gareth, you mentioned global. And of course, there's Europe uh, with the, the war in Ukraine, which is now almost mm-hmm. a year old. And actually, Europe kind of survived better than we anticipated, helped in large part by a initially warmer winter than, than, than one thought. But that has sent gas prices up. Oil, even considering that there's a, a sense of a, a weaker global economy, oil remains sort of in the mid $80 a barrel, whereas if it wasn't for the, the restrictions on Russian oil, we would probably be a lot closer to 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 60. So the, the, the energy story globally is 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 one of stress and 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 price pressures um and 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 there's certainly opportunity there but there's also the allied if we look away from traditional energy and and where's the future Mm -hmm. here i'm thinking around renewable and and solar and for example copper i mean copper demand is expected to probably double in the next 10 or 15 years as we put up solar panels electric vehicles Etc. Uh, Etc. Et Lithium-ion batteries, uh, but quite simply, the supply is not lucky to keep to keep track with it. Particularly if you and I decide to start a copper mine today, it's going to take about a decade before we get the first copper out of the ground. So there's a lot of opportunity here amidst this 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 ongoing energy crisis locally, load shedding globally, uh, war in Ukraine. And of course, I mean, even Joe Biden has had to deal with this question, because if you don't give a long enough runway for people in the energy business, they can't really plan. You can't tell people, oh, well, we're only going to give another 10 or 12 years to oil and gas, because then why would anyone set up oil and gas refineries? Why would anyone put money into infrastructure around those things? Is that right? You're 100% spot on, and and that's just it. And we've seen results from the the major oil companies, uh, Shell, ExxonMobil, BP, and the like, and they are having absolutely record results. But to your point, if you go and look at their CapEx spending, there's very little new development happening. They're basically working on their their existing production uh, and and maximizing it as best they can, making huge profits, and then giving the the, the dividends to to shareholders. That's fine today in 2023, but how does that roll in 10 or 20 or even 30 years' time? Uh, City uh, Bank did a great uh, EV report at the beginning of the year, and what they did is they looked at take-up, and they reckon that by 2030 in developed markets, half of all new cars sold are going to be electric vehicles, and, and that's a staggering number. But look at it the other way. Half of cars being sold are still going to be ICE, internal combustion engine, and they're going to need oil. Um, so there's a huge focus on the one side, but we need to keep that, you know, the, the, the current way that we, that we energy, the, the planet, 
we, we can't just abandon that. It, it'll fade away over time. And I don't know, 50 or 100 years, the idea that we burnt fossil fuels for power might seem weird, might but it's not yeah. going to be a decade. All right. So let's just talk about something else because um, I, I think there are probably more people concerned about the budget speech, which is coming up, mostly because this is the one opportunity. Well, it's one of two opportunities in any given year where the finance ministry uh, gets to talk about the thing they love talking about the most, our taxes, whether or not they're going to put up the taxes on X, Y, and Z, whether they're going to mess around with income tax, company tax, property tax, God knows whatever else they can find to tax. And we know governments are hungry for tax money at the moment. But I think the budget speech is also an important place for us to see what government are spending their money on. And what can we expect as traders? Uh, could new policy decisions end up hurting South Africa's everyday finances, especially those people who are traders who are looking to find little bits and pieces here and there that they can start investing? What do you think? I, I, I think spot on. And there's a key difference to the budget to every other speech a politician makes is that every other speech is promises and it's kind of hard to measure the, the, the reality on the ground versus what's being said from the podium. The budget is hard numbers and, and we can see it. We can see the, you know, if, if minister says he's going to spend X on, on, on something, uh, we can see in the medium term budget policy statement, October, the budget speech in February, whether it actually got spent. I think there are a couple of opportunities here, uh, for traders. And I'm thinking particularly around ports and rail, perhaps the dereg further deregulation of ESCOM. We want to break it up into three parts. I mentioned Roynet earlier in their transmission cables. If we get that transmission business of ESCOM taken out and separated, that could then accelerate that part of the process. Uh, the president at his Sonos speech last week also mentioned perhaps we're going to get some sort of tax credit slash rebate if we go solar uh, in our own homes. Uh, that will help the likes of Mustech and, of course, uh, individuals as well. The big thing for the, the average person out there is, is the tax that they pay. And what's very mm. important is that every year the minister needs to up increase those tax brackets by the rate of inflation. Otherwise, it's what we call just good old-fashioned fiscal drag, where you didn't get any more money, but your tax rate went up because it, you know, it, it, they didn't keep aligned. Is the minister going to change those brackets by the current inflation rate, which is 7%, although we've got inflation data out on Wednesday? The answer is probably not. Um, so we are going to take some pain there. That's something to watch closely. And then also around retirement. We've got things such as our retirement pension schemes. Are there going to be some changes in there? Uh, and also the tax free. Do we get an uplift there? Broadly, budgets are about the finance minister, whoever she or he may be, dipping into your pocket and taking out more money and taxes. We hope to see a little bit coming back, but I don't think hope too much because it's going to be a tough budget. Yeah, it's never easy, and it's such a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, it's really one of the toughest things that a government can do because you you can also go to the point where people go, okay, well then we're not paying our taxes, and you, you know, they they walk a fine line between the the tax avoiders and the tax evaders, and if everybody decides they're going to actually try and screw the government, um, then it becomes almost like a tax revolt, which I saw Edward Kisveta from SARS was talking about just last week and said, you know, uh, South Africans will do the right thing. Well, they will until you push them to a point where they feel like it's not worth doing the right thing. That's a topic for another discussion and another day. Um, I do want to talk about inflation, though. You mentioned it already. 
and inflation is the big boogeyman. And we see an indication of inflation slowing down in places like the U.S. But where do you think we're headed in terms of inflation here in South Africa, Simon? And more importantly, what can the Reserve Bank actually do about that? They only have one piece of machinery for fiddling with inflation, and that is the inflation rate. That's the actual bank lending rates, the you know the the repo rate. So what can they do? And Gareth, that repo rate is an incredibly blunt instrument. The, the idea yeah. behind the repo rate is that they increase the rate. So our debt costs more. Most people have got some debt, a home loan, a credit card, unsecured vehicle, etc. And that means you pay more on your debt. So you've literally got less money to spend. So there's less money in the economy and therefore less demand and therefore inflation comes down. Of course, our inflation is not because of demand. We don't have the GDP growth. Our inflation mm-hmm. is because of energy. Uh, our inflation is, is, is imported inflation. Um, and, and the interest rates have more been around protecting our currency. If we don't raise our rates as the US raises theirs, well, people will take money out of South Africa, both local and foreigners, and stick mm-hmm. it in America where you could suddenly earn 4% risk-free in U.S. dollars, and our rand then collapses, and then we get more inflation. So the the, the, the bluntness of it has, has kind of worked to a degree, but we are seeing local inflation coming down. Uh, we've got more inflation on, on uh, Wednesday. That will be the January number. We did get a nice cut in the petrol price. That will certainly help. And the thinking is it's the expectations are somewhere between 6.8 and 7.1%. The target is 3 to 6%. And in fact, the governor always says he wants inflation 4.5%. I think we're going to get back there probably by the third quarter of this year, maybe sort of October, which is moving into the fourth quarter. I think inflation is going to come down fairly rapidly Partly base effect, uh, partly perhaps weakness in oil, certainly no demand from a weak economy. So I think inflation will start to come down, which is good news for consumers. The big question then is when does interest rates start to come down locally? And that may be fourth quarter of this year. If we look globally, I think interest rates probably only starting in the beginning of, of, of next year. Uh, but there could be a, a glimmer of hope uh, towards the end of the year. But we've still got to get through the whole year before we get there. Wow. Uh, Lots to digest and a great way to start our week so that everything's in line. I hope that the budget speech isn't full of surprises. I think everybody feels that way. Um, And we will see you soon. Thank you, Simon. Very good to check in with you. Always my pleasure. Very good. There he is. Uh, That's Simon Brown from Markets.com, one of their partners. He's the one who we rely on to tell us about all these important moves in the world and local economy. And there are two big things to watch, obviously, this week. The budget speech, and we got to keep a constant eye on that inflation rate.